0: The end of all evil.
1: Never in all of history have the elements been arrayed against the evil manifest tyranny and slavery as they are today. The dreams that burn in the hearts of billions have been growing stronger through the millennia. The children of this world are owed a liberty from the slavery that few are able to comprehend. This is the most exciting era in all of human history. It is the dawn of the freedom of mankind. Hello, welcome to the End Evil Podcast. This is Chris Jansen. This show is dedicated to the book, The End of All Evil, by Jeremy Locke. Inspired by What on Earth is Happening, a podcast put on by Mark Passio. This week, I'm having a special guest with me, good friend, John Rowland, from the Natural Freedom League. And we're going to talk about what it is to be a heretic. So we are the heretics of the apocalypse. And we'll get into that in just a minute. I just wanted to do a little introduction, let you know that the End Evil podcast is dedicated to ending slavery and teaching natural law. And the End Evil podcast is inspired by the What on Earth is Happening podcast put on by Mark Passio. And um, we're streaming live on the One Great Work Network. We'll be back here every Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific. I wanted to show you um, some things that I find inspiring before we get started here. Um, Something that's kind of been, oh, like I said, The End of All Evil is a great book. You can download it at the New Earth University for free. So you can check that out. And I wanted to tell you about autonomy. Autonomy has been an awesome thing in my life where I've met quite a few freedom-loving people and opportunities to learn about freelancing and becoming independent in your own right. So you can check out getautonomy.info if you want to learn more about that. That's um, inspired by Richard Grove. That's his uh, university, University of Reason. And it's something that I would highly recommend looking into. Um, I also wanted to mention real quick, well, or take my time mentioning, something very exciting that's coming up, and that is the Funnel Conference. This is something put on by Myself and some a group of my friends who we've been working for quite some time um, discussing natural law and how to teach natural law and the difficulties we have in our life since we've come to realizations about truth and freedom. And as the world changes, it's become more challenging and we've really relied on one another. And we've worked together and started putting together our own presentations and we're ready to start sharing that with the public. And we're doing a free online conference, and that's going to be February 12th and 13th. And that's going to cover topics, natural law, consciousness, holistic health, spirituality, freedom, parenting, self-defense, and community. So you can sign up for that. Go ahead and register. Go ahead over to freedomundernaturallaw.com. And you can register, and we'll keep you updated. And we're really looking forward to that conference. And one of the speakers in that conference is my friend John, who is an awesome speaker and a fellow heretic of the apocalypse. And I'm going to see if I have the skills to bring John's face in so everybody can see him here. <laughs> Trying to manage my technology. We'll see how that goes. Here we go. What's up, John? How you doing? Welcome.
0: Doing good. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. I'm, I'm glad to um, have you here with me tonight. Oh, you got your Funky Fathers shirt on.
0: Yeah, represent. Right. <laughs> yeah, Funky Fathers, my friend Mike Mattingly, our good friend. He's the Funky Father. He's an activist, musician. Check him out. His music is uh, available on, uh, you can go to iTunes. Uh, or Apple Music, I think it's on Amazon on Music too. Just search for Funky Fathers, Six Strings of Liberty. It's good good freedom music.
1: And you got that link Thanks. on the thenaturalfreedomleague.com too?
0: Yeah, you can go there through the Natural Freedom League. That's right. Uh, we have it on our website too, Link through there. And uh, yeah, we recorded it for him. Uh, my partner, Chill Will Keller, He's, uh, also got some, some background in music. So he recorded Mike just playing his songs acoustic. And, uh, yeah, Mike's like a professional musician. He's been doing it forever and, uh, they sound really good. So yeah, people should definitely check that out. Mike yeah. chose not to stream them when we put it out, though. He didn't want to do the streaming because he said the last time he had his music on streaming, it doesn't, uh, pay very well. Oh, so, right. uh, which is true. I've read about that too. It's like a really low rate that they pay for um, streaming streaming your music, you know. Huh. Well, so. he sure
1: puts it out for free too. Just traveling, you know, he traveled around to every capital in the United States and blasted his music. So he does yeah. quite a service,
0: quite a voice. It's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. it's Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, just so you know, Chris, um, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's awesome. Uh, it's cool doing the live stream here on the one great work network and, uh, wherever else it is, you're, you're streaming it. And, um, yeah, we got a good topic. I did just want to let you know, technical thing, when you started it up, the echo for me got worse. So, um, but it's okay. I think we can, uh, we can still go, go through with it, but, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I think, uh, the idea of what a heretic is right a heretic is a person that speaks out against the common the common knowledge of the day that which you know typically would be a religious thought or dogma and um for a person to speak against that uh is considered heresy and, uh, a few years ago, I came up with the idea of, you know, looking for a word that rhymed with conspiracy. Um, I think probably, you know, thinking it in terms of like a podcast, um, I came up with the concept of conspiracy heresy and, um, kind of funny that those two words, words rhyme, uh, or at least they flow, um, Just slightly. because, because, um, because, in the modern day, if you're talking about conspiracy, you are the modern day heretic. And you're speaking out against the church of the state, right? And uh, it's interesting how we get treated like heretics and like, you know, we get labeled as, uh, what would you call it, uh, uh, domestic terrorists, right? Uh, but I looked up the definition of the word heretic. A person believing in or practicing religious heresy. That doesn't really explain anything. A person holding an opinion at odds with what is generally accepted, right? So conspiracy heresy, that's what we're doing, right? We're out here, uh, being heretics against the norms, right? And, uh, and the, uh, the common thought of the day, which, uh, unfortunately has been hijacked and has been misguided and so yeah we we're dealing with the masses that have this mindset of how things are and as we go down this path of consciousness and evolving consciousness we uncover uh and reveal all these uh truths uh and lies <laughs> right through the lies we discover uh what seems to be closer to the truth. Right. But because of the way we think as, um, so basically this idea, you know, as you know, Chris, um, I've had it for a long time. I thought of it as sort of like a, um, I'd written it kind of like a poem in a way. Uh, and it's sort of like my plea to, uh, people, you know, I guess for lack of better term normies, uh, that, you know, when I speak to them or we speak to people like that, it's like, you're just speaking to a a mannequin, (laughs) you know?
1: Well, um, Oh, can you hear me better now, John? I made a change. Yes. 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 That That sounds much better. Right on. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that got this heretic thing in my head, um, I've seen it in your work and then I'm reading, um, these books It started with Dune because the movie Dune came out. Right. And, but um, I read the sequel to that, and then Children of Dune, and then um, em- God Emperor Dune is the next one, and then after that's a book called Heretics of Dune, and that's the one I'm on now. And what's really interesting about this series in Dune is that um, it really it really concentrates on the idea of religion, and in the Dune series, religions are created by these Bene Gesserit witches. Well, they're one of the entities in the universe that creates religions, but they just basically seed a planet with this religion, you know. They'll show up and kind of plant these ideas, and then thousands of years later, when one of these other witches comes by, you know, they're like the savior to the planet, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, you're the holy one, right?" And it shows in these books how people are so quick to um, fall into religion, and how it's something that that's easy for people to get caught up in a fervor, and when we look at, at history. Um, we see all these terrible things that have happened in history when people um, blindly follow, basically, when they just believe, you know, we can think of kings, things like the Crusades, where under the guise of um, God's word, people are going out there and just like killing other people and taking over their stuff and stealing their things. And and so um, religion is, is a really pretty scary thing, and, and we grow up kind of thinking like it's an it's a good thing, but really, it, you know, like we learned from Mark Passio's work when he started explaining that the word religion can mean to bind, which is a type of slavery to be bound to something, right? And so we, we can see, you know, th- that always seemed real to me, but it didn't ever get as real as until this whole COVID situation hit and um, everybody started acting differently in the physical world, actually, in their actions and the way they're going about things, and following these rituals that are being um, put out by by the politicians. And it's like the politicians have become like priests of a religion, where they can come out with this doctrine that has no um, scientific, necessarily no scientific um, backing, but just because they're saying it, people are going to do it. Like, like the mask thing, you know, that I always like to harp on because to me it's just so nonsensical that, you know, a politician can say, oh, what's best for your health is to wear a mask or distancing. You know, they can say, oh, you need to distance from people. And, well, it's like, well, wh- where was the proof that that's even going to work? You know, why are we so sure that's even, even such a good idea? Just because it's coming from the mouth of the priest of the state, people are buying it, hook, line, and sinker. And that religious situation, which is just like religions of past, it's got people bound to these ideas just because the ideas are coming from these authorities. And people like you and Will and um, other people in our community that are willing to speak out, especially publicly, um, automatically become heretics, even though... I haven't necessarily heard people using that word. It's what I feel like. And so when I read the book and they're talking about heretics, I'm like, that's how I feel in this world now.
0: So um, I imagine you feel pretty much the same way, John. Yeah, you know, it's like a, uh, it's a shaming, right? It's, uh, that's what, that's the level that it's at right now in terms of like the regular public, right? But then when you have the government coming out and making statements like calling us domestic terrorists, If we're talking about, you know, things like natural law, like I thought it was funny that Mark Passio's video, you know, the science of natural law, there's a little label on it on YouTube that says it's like offensive to people. And it's like, how is anything in this offensive? But to that, to that mindset, it is because their religion uh, has a different value set. Right. And it's, it's not about freedom, right? Freedom is not the primary thing. Survival is the primary thing, and, um, you know, and then safety and comfort, you know, and not having to um, have uh, accountability for what's happening and what's going on. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's funny because, um, in terms of religion, I always thought it was interesting where with all of those words, clearly in the world, as we know it now, uh, religion is a negative thing and has, has been a negative thing, but it's, it's been bastardized, right. Demonized through the language, right. And it's kind of a part of the, the Orwellian, uh, you know, newspeak where that word religion to bind back. Well, what does that mean? Like truly, it means to bind back to the source, right? Like when I was studying religion, uh, right out of high school, you know, I was really excited to learn, like what I can learn, what I want to learn about now. Which why I didn't feel like I could do that before. I mean, you know, I, I read other things other than what you know they told me to in high school. There was just this sense of I get to choose what I learn now. Like when I graduated, and I really focused on like world religions and really trying to find the truth amongst all religions. And when I got into the Eastern philosophies like Taoism it always felt to me like this sense of going back mentally, spiritually, you know, meditatively going back to the original thing. Like that's sort of what the process is of uncovering and, and revealing, you know, what's going on. You are, not only are you looking back in history, but you're looking back on a deeper spiritual level. Like where did humans come from and what is like the real answer? So Taoism it always felt like that to me it was always like uh, or, or any other like uh, creationism story right it's like this this unity and then it shatters you know goes apart for some reason and um, it's it's realizing what that is so my point being the term religion in terms of binding back something that's I believe what it truly means but what they've done is they've put planted other hooks to bind you back to right? And they're false. And what's interesting about it is what it actually has done, it's made most people actually either reject religion or they just practice their religion in a, in a lukewarm way or like a traditional way, but with not much meaning to it. And that makes them actually then turn to someone, something else for, the, for their religion. And, and that becomes the state. Right. And then that's the thing that they don't question at all. And they have like blind faith in this thing and, and believe in it. And as this apocalypse is happening um, and the more and more in my lifetime, my experience of uncovering things, I mean, basically everything has been a lie. You know, history is a lie. And so um that's going to be, uh, we talked about the funnel con conference that's going to be the point of my presentation kind of is that well one of the points of it is um you know sort of laying out my experiences as a kid and how the things that i started questioning and how that built up to what we're experiencing now and it's just you know it's a personal book it's kind of a memoir uh, well it's not necessarily a book it could be a book <laughs> right now it'll be Next a presentation year. and i'm excited about um I'm excited about uh, the presentation for sure. That format, I've never really uh, done that, you know, except for, like, when I was in school. Uh, So I'm looking forward to uh, fleshing out this topic as a presentation and putting it out at the final conference.
1: Me too, especially because, you know, there's so much um, overlap, like the things you're talking about and thinking about in your story. um, It's very similar to the way I'm thinking about the presentation I want to make. It's kind of coming from my point of view, and this topic we're on is really appropriate because my dad was a preacher, and so I was like embedded in Christianity as a child. I was part of it, Um, and I took it really seriously. I used to wear my cross every day and went to church every Sunday religiously, and it's not all bad. I have a lot of good memories, I think religions do like christianity churches i went to have some stuff going that a lot of other aspects of our society don't have like the community connection that that's very worthwhile and and the returning to the source you know the idea that you're supposed to be on this spiritual path to relearn who you are and why you're here i think those aspects are extremely valuable and what happens in Religions, whether it's a cultural religion, like we're talking about Christianity, Catholicism, one of these type of major religions where they want to tie you back to stories and that you have to believe these stories. You know, the disagreement I have with people that I discuss now with the Bible, for instance, is they they want to stick strictly to that, you know, this is God's exact, you know, message to us. And I'm trying to point, well... You know, this is people, you know, trying to communicate their personal revelation through books and stories. And that gets all warped, especially over time when it's rewritten and retold. But the actual religion that I think that we're supposed to be working on, like the way you're talking about if we use that word in the positive connotation, is to allow ourselves to be reborn all the time, which which is basically being humble and being like a child and being like, huh, this is something maybe i don't understand you know and look at it with new eyes and say hmm maybe i was wrong and so if we wake up every day willing to do that then we can discover things that are true because there are a lot of mysterious aspects to reality and there's a lot of people that lie especially in the world we're in now where evils like an abundant force so you're more likely to see people lying and putting out falsehood so that forces you to be able to kind of like reset your mind and go back to nothing and say, wait a second, maybe this is all BS. And when you do that, then you can rediscover what might actually be true. You know, I'm curious how that process has gone for you over the years, John. I know you've always been probably a little different than some of the people around you, but what are some of the things that really propelled you into um, asking these deeper questions and, and kind of being awakened to this reality that Authority is an evil religion, basically.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. So I've been, you know, writing down notes, you know, for this presentation and, uh, you know, thinking back to these different experiences as a child, these memories that I have. um, One of them that I had was and these are things that like they just stuck with me my whole life. Right. Like I just remember this moment. It's like these weird epiphanies that you have through your life. And you just always remember that, you know, that thought or that realization. Um, so one was, and I, a lot of times I remember them walking to school, that's when these thoughts happened. Right. And one of them was, I knew I never wanted to be in the military. I knew that at a very early age, I just, there was something wrong with that about me, you know, about, you know, for me you know, intuitively. Um, also in terms of um, religion. Um, well, first I'll tell you about my, my Truman show, <laughs> my Truman show. Uh, Le- Leslie, I'll have to give me a better word for it. My, I have it written down as my Truman show psychosis. Right. And this is the same thing. I'm walking to school as a kid. And in my mind, I'm going through this little like game that everybody's watching me that somehow I'm special right and everyone you know they everyone knew I was coming and like it's like and I knew it wasn't real but as a kid you're playing with that in your mind it's a little bit it is it is a little more real right and I remember when the Truman show came out like, oh, I used to think about that you know uh, that's actually happened to me for a few movies. You know, it just shows you it's the collective consciousness. I remember right? thinking,
1: "What if my parents were aliens?" You know? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Could be. Right? All of a sudden, I start thinking about it.
0: Then you see it in the movie, and you're like, oh, "Probably," right. you know. Um. Uh, this Sorry, is kind of a crazy. This is kind of, of a down. crazy one. This is kind of a crazy one. Is uh, I I I remember being. I believe I was at Disneyland. And it was with my dad. We were in the bathroom. And I had, I don't know how long it had been happening, but I had been hearing a voice in my head. And it was like an evil little voice. And it was like, do do bad stuff. Yeah, like it was like, talk like that to me, right? And I remember telling my dad, dad, like, I'm like hearing this voice and it's telling me to do bad things. And my dad just said, well, don't listen to it. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like, that's, I don't remember anything else happening after that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then understanding through religion, uh, especially Christianity, like the the whole like revelation story that we were the evil empire. The U S was the evil empire. Like I knew all, I had all of these like epiphanies at, you know, pretty young ages. So I don't know. I think that sort of lends me towards like, you know, thinking differently or looking at the world de- differently, questioning things. Um, and then, um, I remember being in high school, my friends and I, whenever coincidental things would happen, and this is probably once we started smoking a little weed, little weird coincidental things, synchronistic things, we used to call them the omens, right? And, uh, it would be like, oh yeah, that was great. You know, some just weird event that would happen and it connected to some other, um, situation. And, uh, obviously as I got older, you realized that like. There co- are coincidences. There are two incidences that relate to each other in some way. But the modern connotation of coincidence is that, like, it's just random. Like, don't think anything about it, right? Instead of thinking of it in a synchronistic way, like, oh, there's a reason why there was that connection between those two events. And I should think about that. Like, what is the connection? Um, and then, um, obviously, psychedelics, you know, my little experimentations with that. And then in terms of the conspiracies, uh, the first one I remember is JFK. And I remember my mother sort of being enamored with uh, that time of history. You know, I remember it being called Camelot, right? And it was like sort of like a different time. That's just how I felt, like, experienced – I remember experiencing that story. And I always wondered, why don't they care – who actually killed him? Like, it was very clear in my mind that the original story wasn't true. And probably when I was in high school was when the JFK movie came out. So um, I just remember wondering, like, why, you know, and then when I would ask my mom that, that the answer I would get would be, um, well, you know, well, what can we do about it? That's one thing I always remember my mom saying to me. "Is like, what can I do? You know, like, what? so what's the point of looking into it if I'm powerless to it, I'm powerless to change it, you know, that's, and that's, you know, that's one of those things in terms of like having this mindset of being a, what I call a consciousness theorist versus a coincidence theorist. A consciousness theorist is like, you have to ask that question. You can't, if you know, if there's that little gem, like with the JFK, the JFK gem is the magic bullet theory, right? That the bullet, one bullet went through JFK through the governor out the governor entered the governor again like it it exited and entered like five places and then apparently the theory is that 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 bullet was like discovered on like a gurney in the hospital right so that sort of harkens to 9-11 and them finding a passport in the rubble right uh and, you know, these are these little things, these gems that I'm talking about, you know, as, as a, a an older, you know, where I'm at now, I, I think there's more to those than we've considered before um, in terms of um, perhaps that this, you know, either someone is trying to let us know what they're doing um, they're you know, and for the people who are able to, you know, thinking in a consciousness theorist way. Open-minded, questioning everything, knowing that you don't know, but then always striving to know—you know what you can know. There's that balance between that. That's actually a really good concept too. Is uh, that that polarity between knowing I don't know because we are, we are limited in what we can know, and then also that striving to know. Um, it's not one or the other. It's a, it's a definite push and pull between that. And so, you know, when I've read different, um, books throughout my life, like a really good one that came along was the, um, and the truth shall set you free by David Ike, another book that came to me in a very synchronistic way. Um, and that book really lays out, uh, a a explanation of how it works like what not only what is going on but how the system works in terms of the um the uh hegelian dialectic uh problem reaction solution uh weaponization right
1: you know something you're touching on there what got me to thinking is how um You know this heresy thing works, the pressure on people to conform and to believe or to do as they're told even if they don't 100% believe. And it occurs to me as you were talking that there are probably more people than we realize that have those little, the gems you were talking about, the little things that say, hmm, I'm not sure if I believe that. Or people that go along with what government says but they don't like it. Or they don't completely agree with it. They pay their taxes be you know, grudgingly, right? Or they vote like, wow well, I don't like either of these guys, but I gotta do it, right? You know, there's nothing else I could do. That's what you were mentioning, how people will say, Well, there's nothing I can do about it, so I might as well not think about it, right? It's too hard to think about because there's no action to take. And I think that's really um, in, in the things we see going on around us now, there's a pretty large percentage of people that have doubts, that have inklings of frustration with the government or what they're doing, but they're not willing to push against that that huge pressure of everyone else. And that's really what creates um, heresy, right, is this peer pressure, right, this peer pressure to fit in. And if you're the one that doesn't, you become a focal point for finger-pointing or anger or name-calling or whatever else. And so, by by being someone who points at the little magic bullet or the little inconsistency in the story, you know, it, it's a scary thing to be that person who's going to speak out. Because um, there's, what is it about people that makes them want to do what everybody else is doing? What we call, you know, being sheep-like. And... You're a great person to talk about this, John, because more than anybody I know, I've seen you out in public talking to regular people, just trying to start a conversation. You know, I've had the opportunity to do that with you. It's pretty cool to see how you work because you're such a kind of easy to talk to guy, you know? And so I'm curious what you think. Do you really think that most people who are following the religion of authority and doing what the politicians and government are saying really believe it or are more of them just kind of going along to get along and it's too hard to do anything else about it.
0: Well, I'll tell you another good story of something crazy that someone said to me that ends up being really profound. There's these moments like, you know, my mom saying, you know, what can I do about it? Like it's really profound as you get older and you think about that. It's a simple statement and it sort of shocks you a little bit when people say it. Right. Uh, I had a family member, I was trying to give them the, um, the movie Vaxed, the documentary Vaxed. And I was, I had bought a couple of copies of it and I had tried to give her one. And, um, she told me, I think I'd rather not know. And this is a person who works in the medical field, has children, right? And here I am, a close family member saying, Hey, I'm concerned about this thing and you should be concerned about this too and she straight up said I would rather not know. So that shows you right there. I mean, I, that was a blatant example of somebody who even if that's true, uh there's nothing I can do. You know, it's basically what my mom said, you know, it's nothing I can do about it. So I'd rather not know. I have to go along with it anyway. I have to work, my kids have to go to school. Um you know, so I can't I can't be bothered with that. Um, what's interesting though, I mean, not everybody is like that. Um, we spoke on our podcast, uh, the natural freedom league podcast. We spoke with Hena Maria and she was talking about the Essenians, Essenes. Um, that they think, they think Jesus was an Essene. Um, it was like a Jewish, Jewish sect of, you know, men who had all this wisdom and, uh I, but anyway i don't know if she was talking about uh jesus but that one of them had said you can't teach people who are your family you can't heal people who are in your family like or who are close to you uh because they've seen you as a kid and you know so it's going to be harder to get through to family members um another example of what happened uh through this process for me is when i had come to that David Icke book uh I was reading it and I was go tell my parents I was living with my parents at the time and I go tell them hey like did you know that like listen to this like listen to all these connections and you know any you know the David Icke book it's like pick a conspiracy right the Martin Luther King assassination and it's just very well documented um who was involved and all these connections like you know all these political people that were you know at Jonestown and, you know, had connections to them and they're all CIA and clearly something going on, you know, other than the, the, the official government narrative. And so I was reading the book and telling my parents different things. And my dad said, um, I could tell, I don't remember if they said it, I could tell they like thought like I was maybe going to go crazy. Um, but the one thing I always know, and I always have my, this approach is I do get into certain books and certain topics for a while. Um, But then I always like move on from it and, you know, go to other things. It's like, I don't, I've never gotten stuck in one idea. Like this is the the absolute truth. And I don't think anyone has the absolute truth. We're all putting it together. But anyway, my, my dad, what he did, he went and he Googled, you know, uh, David Icke. And he left a little article out on the table that basically de- discredited David Icke, called him anti-Semitic, right? That's a big tactic that is used, uh, against people who speak out. They label you as anti-Semitic or again, domestic terrorist, whatever ways to shut you up. Um, so again, here's that polarity of kind of knowing that there's certain people that you can't reach, but then also wanting to do the great work and put out information and attempt to reach people. So, with Natural Freedom League, you know, it really was birthed from going out into the public and holding signs and talking about natural law to people. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I did have some, some good experiences with people. Um, you can see the, the way of thinking of the norm, the common thinking, because they want to label you as, you know, a Trump supporter or conservative or right wing. Um, especially us living in California and in the Bay Area. Um, you know, we'd go to San Francisco and we would have, you know, people just think that, assume that we were Trump supporters because we were speaking out against we what was going Trump on, Muslim the pandemic. Supporters. <laughs> Say that again? We Remember,
1: we weren't wearing masks. And so that would automatically be, oh, must be Trump supporters, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. So um, the things that we've learned I, I do think conservative-minded people are are closer, but you know we had some pretty uh, exciting moments out in uh, Sacramento. We were kind of right in the center of the action. We had been setting up there for a few weeks, and there was a lot of rallies going on. And you would have, uh, you know, Antifa came out a few times, whatever Antifa is. Uh, honestly, the Proud Boys and the Antifa looked like the same people to me, <laughs> you know, they were v- dressed very similarly, you know, a lot of them had like vests on and, um, you know, it could have easily been the same people, but I had l- moments where I was speaking to these, some of these people and I was reading, you know, like this written statement that we had like on a flyer saying that, you know, you guys are all being duped. You're all, you're doing exactly what the government wants you to do. And, you know, people were like, oh, he's, he's crazy, whatever, you know. And But this one, you know, woman, like, was sitting there talking to me, and I was like, she's like, basically was saying, well, why are you making those assumptions about us or whatever? And I'm like, well, clearly you're out here doing this. Like, this is, you think that this is motivated by, you know something within you, and it is you know. You know ultimately, that's you know, they've been mind controlled. So it is coming from within them, but they're being affected from without by this this signal. You know this paradigm, and that creates the religion. You know that creates that um, that dogmatic thinking.
1: And it, it's funny too because the so often the religious paradigm, I guess you could call it, are things that don't really need to be done in everyday life. It's this whole um, storyline, right? And it's leading you down a particular path to look at things a certain way or to do things a certain way. But it's not, um, it's not necessary. You know, it's not um, crucial to day-to-day operations. You know, what they're for instance, out there marching about in Sacramento, it's something that's been broadcast on the television. So I guess in that way, I, you know, that's what I was thinking when you were saying it's not coming from within you. Like it's not an organic motivation that, hmm, who would make the best leader of all our people? I'm going to think of somebody. You know, it's like, no, that was already given to you. Someone said this is the guy, and then you just chose to go along with that. You didn't, You didn't actually think who would actually be the best person if I were going to choose anyone you know go find that guy you know it, it's not a choice made from really thinking hard about it with your own mind it's a choice of here's the two options pepsi or coca cola which one do you want you know and and it's just it's an easy path it's an easy choice to just kind of take something that's given to you and that's basically what religions do for a lot of people i find it, you know that i've experienced in real life is people are looking for easy answers. You know, this, is, this life, this experience is difficult. There's a lot of um, trickiness to it. There's coincidences, like you described. There's synchronicities. And then there's a lot of um, dissonance, things that don't match up, that don't make sense. And so if you actually want to go through and figure out all those things, it takes an incredible amount of self-awareness, self-confidence even, which is hard to develop. In a society that's kind of telling you You're really not worth that much That your value is not that great And I think that's what Puts people in that state of mind Where they think, I don't know, who am I to say You know, I'm not someone who should be able To make a decision on that, I'm not a leader You know, and I think That kind of Low self-esteem Or low uh, Self-worth or understanding of worth Is kind of what's put What puts people in that position of being easily led or easily sold one path or the other versus the more difficult path which is the creative one which is just thinking about all the options for your own self and so that's a real out of the box thinking I guess it can be called how do people develop that how do we um, learn that our value and the reason I'm bringing up value is because like what we were talking about was people will shut down new ideas or you know, we've read a book about viruses, for instance. We want to share with you this information. Maybe a vaccine is not safe. Someone will want to shut it down because it requires a lot of extra effort, and there's a lot of resistance. So, I guess I'm not think, really formulating that into a good question, but um, I think like I that think it. that
0: that's why what's important is to put out you know art really or you know you know put out um different ways of uh different approaches of putting it out there you know because there won't there will be people that you can't just talk to about it right but so can you think of a different way to put out like a poem or a song or you know a sticker with you know with a you know a meme on it or something like that um And, you know, trying to get people those ways. One thing I was thinking a little bit earlier, and this may be part of the new age, you know, kind of bullshit. uh, But I remember a a good book that I read early on when I was probably about 19 or 20 years old was The Celestine Prophecy. Mm. I don't know if you ever read that book. Oh, yeah. But that book, that is a good, it's fictional but it, it, the idea, they get into, one of the main ideas is the ideas of, co- the idea of coincidence and that getting people to realize that, um, you know, those coincidences show you that there's something deeper going on than just what we experience day to day and that it's important to, uh, pursue those coincidences in terms of at least thinking about them critically. And, um, trying to consider what they mean. Um, it's kind of interesting because that's kind of what they, they want you to do in an English class, right? You're reading a book, but you're reading it critically and there's, you know, more meaning to the book than just what is the words on the paper. And so you discover different things through foreshadowing and all these different techniques. Really life works the same way and ultimately, that to to me that implies a creator, right? Uh, that that mystery implies, and that synchronicity implies that there is something bigger than us that we're a part of, and to consider what that is, um, and you know, in what we've been talking about, another thought that popped in my head is the idea of Occam's razor. And I thought about it in different ways because the idea of Occam's, Occam's Razor is that uh, a principle of theory, construction, or evaluation according to which other things equal explanations that posit fewer entities or fewer kinds of ent- entities are to be preferred to explanations that posit more, right? So it's saying that the simpler explanation is the most likely one. And really, I'm going to call bullshit on that. I'm going to call bullshit on that because, um, you know, it's not what other people are doing is looking for the simple answer, right? So in the sense of religion, you go to a, a funeral and you realize that religion for a lot of people is just an easy way to accept what's going on. They're going to heaven. It's an easy story to follow. It's very simple. You don't have to consider What actually happens to your soul? Is there reincarnation? What is the afterlife? What is the nature of God? With religion, it's all given to you in a nice, neat package of, you know, rules and, you know, procedures that you follow. And of course, people make with it what they will, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of generalizing that that is the simple answer to what's going on in the world. Um, if you start looking into different religions and start comparing religions and, and understanding the connection between religions, then you're, you are positing, you know, more entities into the, the explanation, right? And that is actually closer to the truth. And, um, you know, I think that they use that concept against us with a lot of the, the conspiracies and the media that we receive and the propaganda that we receive because, they give us, they give us the conspiracies, right? They give us the magic bullet. They give us building seven. They give it, they do it like right in our face. And a lot of that is for obfuscating the truth also. And it's probably also to overwhelm people, right? Um, if people are already not able to consider those things on a deeper level Well, now now you're like, oh, man, someone got away with killing the president. Like, who am I? What am I going to do about that? The key, the answer to that to those people, the answer to that of what can I do? The answer is you can speak. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a grandma who's retired. You go out with your friends to breakfast. You can speak the truth. And you can challenge you know challenge the the dogma and the the you know this you know uh, mundane thinking or you know um you know how would you describe it i mean ultimately it it really is you know satanism right but you know that is ultimately the religion that we're living under right and it's the religion of psychopaths and secondary psychopaths, right? So, you like you're you're just a regular psychopath who's like manipulating everybody, and you're creating all this, uh, you know, the, the land of Oz. <laughs> you know, you're generating the the lie and you know the 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 false paradigm, and you're doing that to you know take advantage of people or you know whatever. And then you've got the secondary psychopaths who are just going along with it. And then participating in things that, you know, are psychopathic, you know, and and Satanism is just, uh, you know, the bells and whistles. <laughs> it's like the religion of that way of thinking, you know. And, um, you know, so, you know, it, I would say that atheism goes along with that and is tied into that, you know, the idea that, like, there is no God and we have to look to man for the answer. It's definitely a war against nature, right? It's a, people are afraid to return to nature and survive off the land and, um, survive without government. We're so detached from that, you know, and that's what makes them able to control us. And like you said, also when they get you in that mind frame, then they bring up these big issues that like, they don't, it doesn't really affect you in your day-to-day life, you know, but, you know, uh, you know, a, a global virus. Right. It's like, well, I mean, what can we do about it? You know, I mean, it's, if, if, if that was a real thing, you know, I mean, what you have to live your life and just, you know, go through it. And, you know, it's like, um, but they, but yeah, they get you in that mind frame and they get you to, to do ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. If you believe ridiculous concepts, you will do ridiculous things. And so now these people are scrambling To save themselves from getting sick. And it's just ridiculous. We've lived our whole life with diseases and illnesses. And it's like, what do they think is going to happen? Everyone's going to die? Like, that's not going to happen. It's like, that's never happened. Why do you think, why do you believe that everyone's going to die? And and if that was what was meant to happen, why would you be against it? You know, I mean, I thought you believed in evolution, right? Like, if we're supposed to get wiped out, then just That's be good. The natural with it. order of things, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, I was I re- thinking
1: about input and output. On the one hand, we have like we're kind of like a machine in a way, this natural machine, this organic natural machine, but we're the arbitrator of input and output in this amazing, um, you could call it a device, I could say, a piece of technology, our, our human body, you know, it, it's its a pretty fantastic thing. But, um, you know, I remember being a kid and when someone's saying something you don't want to hear, you put your hands on your ears and just yell, ah, I can't hear you, you know. And it's like maybe that's a good tool, you know, because what I've found is When I shut off the TV, you know, I I basically – it's been years since I really watched sitcoms or television shows. I found them to be – I started really realizing that even if I'm conscious and aware and paying attention, these scenes from these shows still stick in my head and they still play out the next day, the next week. And um, like what we were talking about on the news, they're presenting a particular story and they're putting it right on your face. But it doesn't really necessarily have to do with day-to-day life. It's a huge distraction. So we can control that input. So there's something really powerful that we can do right there is control the input into our computer, into our mainframe. You know, don't allow certain information even in. Don't um, don't access that information. And then on the inner level, you know, this is where I find truth in things I disagree with. Like I said, I don't call myself a Christian anymore, but I love things that I found in the Bible and that I studied in the Bible many years. I still find a lot of things like, knock and the door will open, seek and you shall find. That's a very true, that's something I've found to be very true living life. If I really concentrate on a problem and really think about something, I'll find these answers, sometimes through synchronicity, sometimes through another person. John might come up with, what I needed to hear to answer my problem. It, meditating. Why do people meditate? Because they find in meditation some sort of peace or they find answers. You know, Some people find it in dreams. Where do these things come from? It's not just from nothing, right? It comes from somewhere. And then we have output. And that's really amazing power that we have. Think of every book that's been written, every movie that's been made, every story that's been told have affected other people and the minds of other people and changed the outcome of the story, you know, the actual happenings, the reality of the world. So the power of the word is an amazing power. And I, I think back to one of my favorite people to talk about Thomas Paine. I was just reading his um biography written by Christopher Hitchens. And he describes how no one else in early America We think of all these founding fathers As being these freedom advocates No one was really talking about Totally breaking away from Britain or England The king, the royal You know, Until Thomas Paine wrote about it Common sense And that that's what Kind of opened up a lot of people's minds Like oh yeah, why are we connected to them? You know, why are they taking our money? You know, but until he said it out loud And wrote it, and that was passed around, it didn't really change. I mean, think about the printing press, you know, and the printing press. How much did that change history? So, the power of the word in our voice is an amazing power that we have control over. We have this technology, so we can see all through history how people have changed history with their word, with their powerful voice. So, those to me are the things that we have to change reality how we input things and how we output them and how we process them in the meantime.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And, you know, one thought on that is when at that age, around 18, when you kind of, I kind of lost my religion, I remember my sister and me at the same time it happening and she kind of rejected it completely where I kept, wanted to keep the positive, but like let go of, you know, so kind of just finding the gems in it and finding the meaning in it. I, I always thought that clearly the Bible has had such an effect on the world that it's important to know the story and understand like what effect it's had on the world, even if it was completely fiction. I mean, clearly it's had a huge effect on the world. So yeah, I agree with you. You know, it's like, like that is our power is the words. And I think it's cool that, you know, Mark Passio really is, you know, does not just Mark Passio, but the format of presenting, you know, speaking it into the, into the air, not just writing it, you know putting it into the air is important and putting it out on the internet it's like that's the age of aquarius right like everything's in the air now so it's good to sit oh. down write it down and then uh put it in the air
1: since you brought that up i was going to um i forgot to share this i i found the um the definition or not the definition but the um etymology the derivation of the word apocalypse And apocalypse comes from um, late 14th century revelation or disclosure from the church Latin apocalypsis or revelation. So it means to uncover, to disclose, or to reveal off, away from. To cover or to conceal. And so this is to open up, you know, and to reveal. The meaning, um, yeah, I guess I like best. You know, out of all those um, Uncovered, disclose, reveal So Being that we're the heretics Trying to reveal things to people um, We're dealing with some Heavy artillery against us In the form of um, What's government going to do about it Or what are these social media platforms going to do About people like you and I that are going to Bring up these uncomfortable truths or gems um, They're going to try to shut us down And they're doing that with censorship So, um I'd like to hear your ideas on how to deal with that problem of authority trying to shut you down and other people, your own community trying to shut you down. How do we keep speaking up when it's such a hard job and there's so much resistance? How do you keep your spirits up? How do you do it?
0: Well, I've always been a pretty optimistic guy. Um, I don't, when I go out there to talk to people, first of all, I think that is a big part of the solution. We got to get off the internet as well as being on the internet. So use all the different, you know, understand the internet really well. Take Mark Passio's class if you if you need to, but, you know, understand the, you take it twice like I need to <laughs> understand that information, put it out there. But also then once you have your website, go out and like go stand on a corner or go to a farmer's market, stand on the outskirts of the farmer's market, hand out information about natural law or whatever it is that you're researching or you want to talk about. Um, We're all on our, our own path to try to like, you know, figure this thing out. So if you think it's important, you know, tell people about it, talk about it ultimately it's all one big conspiracy right and it's all you know it's a spiritual struggle that we that we're going through and you you do want to wake people up but also accept that there's people that aren't going to wake up and you're not going to be able to reach them but um, it's important to put that effort out there so you want to hit it on all levels you know cuz i know that when we were going out there a lot for natural freedom league we were getting definitely like a lot of like website traffic just from like handing out flyers and talking to people. So,
1: and then on a personal level, um, you know, anyone who's doing what you're doing, it's difficult. You know, you're you're dealing with a situation now where some of your own family members are treating you differently, um, maybe even close friends. So, we're asking people basically when we're doing this type of speaking to. Head in that direction to become a heretic, and that's a scary road to go down because you might lose friends, you might have family members that reject you. Um, so, what kind of advice would you have for people to deal with that type of resistance? The
0: you know the personal problems of
1: and depression of being lonely. You know,
0: you know, I would say come to terms with it as soon as you can. Uh, you know, you it's kind of like death. You you know you have to come to terms with that. We're all going to die. And, um, that, you know, the fear is really the pain that you're going to feel probably, but the death is just a transition. I mean, I know that might be hard for some people to, to believe, or maybe people haven't come to terms with that, but, um, I know that I, I've, I feel like I've come to terms with that, whether that's through experiencing the death of my father or even just certain things that happened to me where I, you know, could have died, and, you know, sort of you have those moments where your life flashes before your eyes for a minute and, you know, maybe you're being dramatic. It wasn't that bad, but you still go through that process. Um, I, I I will say psychedelics have probably added to that, um, that understanding. But yeah, it is like a death, you know, like with certain family members, uh, with a lot of family members, I've had to just kind of cut them off because, one with the stuff we're talking about, I, 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 again, this may be me being a little dramatic, but I get concerned that they may report me, (laughs) you know, um, if they don't like something that I'm doing in my life. So I I would rather be separated from them on that level. Um, But there's also a level of, uh, I have this saying that, you know, I'm tired of playing make believe with people. So, you know, if I, you know, if I was invited to family events, which now I'm not, so maybe COVID had some silver linings in it, but if I had to go to family events, I pretty much just bit my tongue and didn't really talk about much Um because, you know, these are people who think George Bush was a hero and, you know, they, you know, are, uh, you know, just they idolize these people and it's a whole different way of thinking. Um, So, you know, I, in, in family situations, if I ever am in them, which I rarely am now, uh, except for my mom, I don't really bring this stuff up anymore because I've, I've had enough rejection from people where they're just, like, so close-minded to what I'm saying, and they basically think that I'm crazy. Um, they, they don't see it. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I've thought about approaching those people again, um, and maybe at some point I will. Um, part of me doing this presentation is kind of directed at those people to try to say, Hey, this is how I look at the world. This is how I see it. Cons- open your mind for an hour and consider what I'm saying uh, about what's going on. I don't, you know, believe that I'm hundred percent correct, but through my intuition and through my, um, research and understanding and experience, this is what I think is going on and just consider it. And um, again, if I can, uh, if I can reach people that way, you know, if I have this presentation I could send to people that may be easier, or if I had it written out um, in a letter or something like that, um, you know, there, you, you can always reapproach. but I think in the short term you have to come to terms with what's going on and you know the pandemic has made that all much more urgent at, at this time, where um, you know there is no, there's not a lot of compromise in terms of if someone's asking me to uh, mask my kids up to come over to their house, like that's not happening. So we're not coming to your house. <laughs> you know, it's like so. Um, yeah, you just have to come to terms with it, and um, you know, I think also you know through Mark's work, you know, in the time that I was studying that and really coming to the real, the understanding of morality, right. And, uh, the lack of morality and a lot of things that these people are doing, uh, I consider to be very immoral and that makes it a lot easier to not want to be around them. Um, so I don't know. I may be a little cold hearted. (laughs) I don't think
1: so at all. I mean, you know, your heart is part of what keeps me going, and that's kind of where I was going to go next. My advice to people is to seek community and to create community. I think um, the path that I'm asking anyone to go on and you're asking people to go on is a difficult, scary journey, and it's going to require you to be made fun of or people to point fingers at you or to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And so it takes a lot of... Um, endurance, really, because you are going to kind of get beat down at certain times. I think all of us in our group have experienced that. But the fact that we formed a group and that now we're to the point where we're able to speak out as a group and create a conference can show just how powerful that community can be. And, And to me, this symbol that I put behind me of the tree of life, the whole point of that is to describe the interconnectedness of what we are, that we are all interconnected interconnected we're all part of the same thing even these people that are asleep even people we want to call sheep they're part of us too and that's why we're working on output of the word and really one of the best um things that have come for me is meeting people like you john and the other people in our group that have um you know i interviewed leslie and will you know all these people that I've met have helped me get through the difficulty of being a conspiracy theorist, a heretic, you know, in a world that really just wants to believe in um, whatever's easiest when we're asking people to think about the hardest thing.
0: <laughs> That's a great point. That is a great point, Chris, because I was kind of focused more on the the dealing with the emotions of not being around your family, but you know, the positive side of it is, yeah, I mean, I've met great people and people have come together to form networks and I love our Sunday night meetings. It's like therapy, right? I mean, it's like, we're basically like taking care of each other, you know, spiritually and mentally and emotionally. And yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the beauty of it all. You know, I mean, there's something about, you know, embracing that change and embracing that, you know, um, have to go through that, that tough part to, to find something better and that's a lot what is being created right we've talked about this a lot that there's ba- basically two worlds being created this whole thing is consensual they have to get your consent so continue to, to not consent to these people and um, you know, work plan to get out you know um, one part of my theory which I've kind of come to just more recently is that you know, this is the beginning of the dark winter, right? It's, it's kind of like uh, game of Thrones. It, uh, you know, the, the grand solar minimum is happening and there's a peak to it probably around 2030. I mean, look how cold it's been this year. Look at all this rain we're getting, right? These are all like a natural process that the earth is going through and the, the, ruling class knows this they know this cycle is coming so they're gonna try to get everyone to sign up to their program and um keep going with you know version 3.0 of whatever they've been doing and in the meantime weakening everybody right because we're gonna have less sun it may be harder to grow food but again i i really think we need to look at this, like especially on a long term, longer term, but especially like the next twenty years, that we are in this process of the grand solar minimum, and um, and yeah, and we need to um, focus on those networks, focus on people of like mind, help each other, support each other. This is how you survive without government. That's true anarchy, but it takes accountability. It takes involvement, right? We're detaching from their system, but there will be a system because you'll need to get supplies. You'll need to get food. You will need to rely on people. And uh, yeah, they've been part of their program is to get us uh, to not trust each other and to fear each other. And uh, that's a big part of how they control us. So great point that you made there, buddy.
1: I don't know. That's pretty heretical talk there,
0: John. (laughs) <laughs> Domestic terrorist stuff. The yeah, DTs. I mean,
1: who knows where things are going to go? It's interesting and it, it's exciting. It's scary, but um, at least at least we got each other. And um, you know, another thing I thought of was the one Great Work Network. How awesome of a thing that is! And you know, I really appreciate having that place to be streaming this show on, and um, a lot of great people to meet there too that are already on this um, journey that we're on. So. There's a, there's people out there, so if you're listening and you want to become someone who's uh, <laughs> the black sheep of society and a heretic, join us. It's lots of fun.
0: Yeah. It's the place to be. It's actually really great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably a good place to kind of close up. So why don't you tell us um, where people can find your work and about your website, whatever you've got coming up. Any announcements you want to make, John?
0: Yeah. Check us out. Natural I always say this, the website is due for some updates, but you can contact us there. Um, you know, our podcast it's a little sporadic. We got 45 episodes. Go check those out, uh, on YouTube on, uh, Odyssey. And yeah, we're trying to just, you know, moving forward with this conference, um, inspired to branch out into different, different ideas, um, I would like to do some poetry, some music. So, yeah, uh naturalfreedomleague.com that's where you can find me.
1: Right on. Yeah, and if you look uh close enough, I'm sure you'll find some of John's artistic music. I love your raps. And that's mm-hmm, on YouTube mm-hmm. too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah check stuff. it out. For sure I got like I'm doing some kids project, oh, yeah. like kids music stuff, which is stuff I just always wanted to do. Mr. John's hip hop songs. Y'all can check that out too. I need some subscribers on YouTube for that, and uh, I need to add some more content to that. But that's coming soon.
1: Right on. Well, good stuff. Thanks John. for having
0: me on, Chris.
1: Much appreciated. Always, always love to chat and um, get my mind get my mind going with all all these heretical thoughts. Yes. Right on. So we'll talk again soon. I'm gonna go um, move over here to my um, closing screen if I can figure out how to do that and uh, we'll see you next time, brother.
0: All right. Thanks, Chris. Right on. All right. Peace.
1: <laughs> later on. What screen am I looking for here? There it is. Nope. Should
0: I leave or is it still going? <laughs> You're still
1: here. <laughs> I can't figure out how to get rid of you.
0: <laughs> All right. I'll leave, buddy. All right, I'll talk to you later. Right. Bye. <laughs>
1: great show. Okay, folks, um, we'll see you next week. We'll be back for more um, great content, on, and check out under onegreatworknetwork.com, freedomundernaturallaw.com is where you can sign up and register for our upcoming conference. And with that, I'm going to sign up for the week, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one, folks. Thank you. <coughs>
0: Admit or face just how dark
1: of a place humanity has come to.
0: And to do so
1: means that the certain influences in the world must, must be acknowledged. <laughs>